Well, good day and welcome to the EFTM podcast. I am going full simplicity this week because I'm in Barcelona. Um, so no stings, no jingles, definitely no music. Sorry, everyone, just relax. But I know we're going to have a two blokes talking tech this week. We will cover everything that's happening here in Barcelona. There's lots of cool stuff. We will spend, I reckon, a lot of time talking about that Oppo Find N2 flip because, oh boy, it's gorgeous. I honestly have to say, just preempting everything I write, it feels like a next generation Samsung phone. Like, oh my God, it's it's so good. It really is. And we'll talk, I'll talk with Stephen about that this week um, and I'll write about it on AFTM. I've written a, a basic article, but we'll get to a kind of bit, bit more thorough comparison slash review, um, hopefully before we leave Barcelona. So we've got a few days to do that now. So great stuff from uh, Oppo. Um, lots of news from uh, Nokia with repairable phones. Uh, TCL have got new stuff. Um, there's Lenovo and Motorola. There's lots of stuff. It's all up on the website, eftm.com. But the reason I wanted to jump on and actually uh, deliver you a podcast this week, because I've got a really good opportunity to stand in the halls and chat with the Telstra CEO. Now, long-time listeners will know, I reckon three, four years in a row, I've spoken to Andy Penn, the CEO of Telstra, um, here at Mobile Congress. Well, Andy finished up at Telstra last September and handed the reins over to Vicky Brady. Now, Vicky, I've never met, so uh, they they allocated me half an hour. Uh, we caught up in the in the halls, and I will say this to you straight up: we we recorded this as a kind of television interview as well. So there's a bit of hustle and bustle during this because the King of Spain always appears at Mobile World Congress on day one, and there's a lot of security. And they literally came past us during this interview. So you'll hear midway through a bit of hustle and bustle and a bit of shenanigans as we try and work our way through a big crowd walking who are kind of crushing us even though we're standing still in one spot. So, yeah, this is my chat with uh, Telstra CEO, Vicky Brady. Vicky, lovely to meet you. Lovely to be here at Mobile World Congress with you. How are you enjoying the show? It's fantastic. I mean, it's um, really back to its full force, it feels like, post, you know, COVID and everything. But most importantly, though, this is your first show as CEO. It, is. it was only one year ago Andy was here in the same role. So uh, how does it feel to be walking the halls as the big boss of Telstra? Oh, it's been exciting, actually, this time around as CEO of Telstra. I'm also a member of the GSMA board, so a global board of mobile operators. So I was in the meeting yesterday with um, 23 of my peers from around the world and that was just fabulous and great to be back. The energy here is always amazing. What does the reputation Telstra has in that area? Because I, when I travel the world, I always think we, uh, we don't appreciate how good we've got it in Australia. You know, we have great networks, all three of them are strong, uh, competitive, most importantly fast and high tech. What's the reputation Telstra has globally? Yeah, look, we have a great reputation globally. I know we're a small country uh, with a small population, but our landmass means we've got to be super innovative. And so actually, we are a leader on the world stage in terms of mobile. We were one of the first operators to roll out 5G. And actually, we've got one of the biggest coverage areas in terms of our 5G rollout. So it's quite nice being here because um, we definitely bat above our average when it comes to our capabilities on the world stage in mobile. It's been five years of 5G now, which I feel like that's happened really quickly. 
Um, how far into the 5G journey are we? I'm, I'm kind of glad not to see a lot of 6G signs here, but how far into that journey are we? Well, it's exciting. We are five years into 5G. It's hard to believe, actually. That has gone so fast. And I think what's different with 5G compared to 4G, we're now just switching on some of the advanced capabilities of 5G. With 4G, day one, you kind of got what it was going to deliver, but with 5G, there's still a lot more to come. What sort of things? Because um, I think people turn on their phone and they see the 5G symbol, they go, I've got 5G. Yeah. And I've always said, like, I think it's great, but it doesn't really change the, the phone experience. So what are you most excited about? Things you see on the show floor here that are going to change the way consumers use connectivity. Yeah, absolutely, you're right. So we see 5G, think it's done. And don't get me wrong, it's been important to provide that capacity and speed that we all just take for granted on our phones. But this next phase of 5G, it is about making the most of low latency. What does that mean? That really quick response time and bringing capabilities closer to customers. So if you're in your car and you know, you're doing assisted driving, if you're out on the farm, you know, running automated machinery, uh, that ability to have it closer to the customer, to really take advantage of the low latency on the 5G network, that's exciting. And I guess everyone's talking about chat GPT. You can't, can't look anywhere without it being talked about. And as I start to think about that and how we could apply it, again, having that super low latency, really quick response times, real time, to be able to use that technology in so many things, 5G and this next phase is going to be critical. Do you think, uh, chat GPT is a great topic, do you think that um, that kind of artificial intelligence, uh, conversational intelligence, plays a role in customer service, and I don't want to be negative about it. I think, I, I think of chatbots as being, you know, you log onto a website and it says, do, I, do you need my help? And I say, I want to change my plan or pay my bill. And it's very um, transactional, you know, it doesn't, it's really just question and answer. Whereas ChatGPT has this realism to it. Could that enhance customer service for a company like Telstra because it's frankly so real? Oh, 100%, I'm super excited about what things like ChatGPT, this whole generative AI, I think about one, how customers interact with us in a digital environment, but even for our teams that are in stores or in our contact centers that are interacting with customers. You know, there's a lot of knowledge to get across and being able to apply something like ChatGPT in that environment to help our frontline teams really deliver for customers. I, I'm super excited by Speaking that. Speaking of which, they're all onshore. Um, has, that, yeah. has, has that resonated in any way? Have you seen, I don't know, customer growth through that? Has it made a difference to the business and to customers that you've, you've made that big leap uh, to, to a full onshore customer service? Yeah, so we've brought onshore our calls for our consumer and small business customers yeah. and we bought back our stores. So two thirds of our stores were with um, licensees. And what we've absolutely seen is customer MPS lift. So people um, are enjoying that change and that interaction. And so that's the bit I'm so focused on. How do we really leverage those amazing teams we've yeah. got right across Telstra and that's where something like ChatGPT could be a real game changer to help really um, empower them further. Because it's funny people look at it and they say, always say to me, you know, it's going to cost jobs but actually things like artificial intelligence and the way ChatGPT works enhances jobs, doesn't it? It, it makes accessing the knowledge that human beings can't have at all. So it means accessing that wealth of knowledge in the, you know, Telstra customer call database um, makes it easier to access for the, for the for the people answering the calls. Oh, 100%. I see these um, new phase of AI. It's not about replacing people, it's about supercharging them. So taking away some of that stuff that's clunky and time consuming, actually it puts it at their fingertips and they can spend the time 
interacting with our customers. Now you mentioned um, farming there for a bit, you, you grew up in the country, uh, I was born in regional New South Wales, my mum runs a pub in regional New South Wales, so I still love the country, very much a city boy now though, but the country is really one of the biggest areas where connectivity I think has the best potential to grow from here, you know we've got great coverage and great everything in the cities, but there's a lot of potential with I guess 5G predominantly, but just connectivity generally in the bush and in farming. Oh, 100%, and I, it's near to my heart, having grown up in regional Australia as well. Um, I think there is so much here that we need to grab hold of. Now, obviously, Telstra is a big part of providing regional connectivity. NBN plays a part. I think other technologies, satellite, particularly what's happening with low Earth orbit satellites and services like Starlink. I'm excited because there is so much to unlock. and. You know, in agriculture, it's always a great one to look at because it's such a big part of Australia. Um, I, I just, I'm excited. We're doing a lot of work in agriculture at the moment. And I was down in Wagga recently and farmers are pulling on the technology now. They absolutely want it. It's not like we're trying to convince people it's a great idea. So you need the great connectivity yeah. and it's then how you bring the pieces together. So we are working very closely, collaborating and co-creating with people like Charles Sturt University, with startups like Zetify, right. a homegrown um, startup based in Wagga that's actually using long-range Wi-Fi solutions. So using the mobile connectivity or using satellite and then taking long-range Wi-Fi to give connectivity wow. across paddocks. Now you mentioned low Earth orbit satellite and you mentioned Starlink. I think it's an amazing service. Uh, it's a phenomenal option for people, vastly more expensive than the NBN. So, you know, it's, it sits there in the same way that, you know, fixed line versus mobile does for city residents. What, what, what involvement can Telstra have in low earth orbit satellites? Because I can't imagine you're going to start throwing satellites up, or are you? Well, for us, it's about partnerships. So we're in discussions with a number of providers. OneWeb is a good example of where we've announced an MOU and we're working with them at the moment on being able to leverage their capabilities. But I think it's great to see the innovation and choice in a country like Australia. It's never going to be covered across the entire landmass with a mobile terrestrial network. So having satellite innovation is just critical. Does it make the NBN's huge investment in satellite a touch, not a touch redundant essentially? It had a, had, a, had a lifespan of this early phase, maybe 10 years. Does the long-term plan for, I guess, NBN satellite actually start to disappear because of the low Earth orbit opportunities and, and different connectivity in the bush? Well, I think what it stands out is just the innovation and how fast it's been in satellite. Now, we hadn't seen a lot of innovation for quite a while. And so at the time NBN put satellites up, um, they launched what was then leading geostationary satellites. And we've just seen innovation. And so now I just think there's so much choice and that's a great thing for Australians. Yeah. Okay, uh, here's one for you that I'm, you know, question without notice broadly. Uh, a competitor of yours announced the ability for customers to just pay for an hour's worth of better mobile access. And I've struggled with this for the last week um, because I don't know whether it's a great thing in the world of net neutrality, and I don't know that it's a great thing in a world where, you know, we're getting priority over the network versus someone who's essentially on the same plan. Where does Telstra sit on, you know, essentially access to the network for customers on a plan-by-plan -plan basis in that regard? Yeah, look, there's some great capabilities that are now available on our network. So things like quality of service, being able to say, 
for example, that something might get priority on the network. And, and I think these are important capabilities that we need to be exploring and looking at um, and seeing what's possible. Don't mind the huge crowd here for the, the king's coming through. The king's through. coming through. Like he's coming through right behind you, but right. never mind that. He's just he's just the king. You're the you're the CEO of Telstra. This is the most important thing. <laughs> the king of Spain. Yeah. King of Spain versus CEO of Telstra. So okay. When yeah. in Spain. Yeah. Um, I'll just get this bloke. Just, just sorry, move over for us. Um, so, um, so does that mean that you, you might see plans? Because you've you know narrowed down the number of plans you have for individuals. Is it the kind of thing where? If we're all on the, I don't know, $58 plan, um, we all get a certain level of not just speed, but priority on the network. And the more I pay, uh, I guess the better priority I get on the network. And what does priority mean to, to individual users on their phones? Yeah, and it's all stuff we're exploring and looking at at the moment. And what's important, whenever we do any of this work, obviously, engaging in customer research, understanding how people think about it. I think in the business con context, so business to business, there are enterprise applications where I can see it's really going to make a difference to be able to look at priority uh, for an enterprise in certain areas. Um, I don't know, Teams calls no, well, I think example. I think the, the automotive you mentioned earlier is probably a great example. If you've yeah. got connected cars working yeah you know, to work with traffic lights and understand the signals of the world, you kind of want them to have priority on the network, don't you? That's where the priority and the, and the technology on 5G exists for those users, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Cars are a great example, exactly. You yeah. want them to have priority if they're heavily reliant on the network to, you know, assisted driving, for example. But you don't broadly see it being something that consumer plans will I guess roll out in the in the near term. Well, it's something I think we've got to be open-minded and look at exploring because as these capabilities become possible on the network, I always think you know you've got to be challenging yourself and looking at how do we make it a benefit for customers. Yeah. Go back to regional Australia. Um, uh, you were working with TPG, uh, TPG Vodafone for a, a period there to get approval for essentially Vodafone to roam on your network. Um, but there were some benefits for Telstra in that. Before we get into the ACCC decision, can you just explain to me what the benefit for Telstra is in that deal? Because I look at it and I go, you're kind of making it possible for Telstra customers in regional areas to get choice and save money. What's the benefit for Telstra in that? Yeah, so the deal with TPG, it's a very innovative deal. It's about active sharing of our network in a 17% coverage zone in regional Australia. So for us, a key part of that was um, we get access to Spectrum. It's underutilised at the moment, so that's important. So that would help deliver an even better experience for our customers. And yes, it brings more choice to regional Australia with TPG. So we see it as overall um, a very innovative uh, deal with good outcomes for regional Australia, good outcomes for us, and, and obviously TPG thought good outcomes for them. And how do you feel about the ACCC decision? Um, because I, I look at it and I say the ACCC has just decided that regional Australia shouldn't have competition. That's how I sum up the decision. How do you see the decision they made? Look, um, we think it was an innovative solution, the right sort of active sharing solution that's needed in the country. Um, obviously we were disappointed and we're going through the appeal process now so we'll see where that gets to in around June this year. I think the regional coverage is a really important thing for people isn't it you know uh, you know you, you know better than anyone um, regional Australia kind of does get the raw deal in most sense of, of the world but it, that, that can change not just through these kind of deals but through the different technologies that are coming about there's some really exciting opportunities but not just enhance people who are already in regional Australia but also make regional Australia more appealing to people who might want to move out of the city. Yeah, and I think we saw that through COVID, you know, people moving out 
the cities into regional Australia and they people arrive in regional Australia and they expect the same sort of infrastructure yeah. and services to be available and so we're very focused on regional Australia we've been a long-term investor we're there delivering for regional Australia but multiple uh, technologies, multiple parties, obviously MBN play a key role, yep. we play a role and I'm excited by the choice of technologies and how we can bring that to regional Australia to give more choice and better outcomes. Now you came to the job pretty much at the exact same time that the focus of all of Australia was on security and data breaches and, and, a, and a major telco in Australia. How do you give confidence and faith to your customers that you know, their data is safe because it's, uh, I think it's become a priority for people finally. It's absolutely. So it was certainly on the top of my list as I stepped into the role six months ago. And obviously what we saw happen in Australia, a couple of big breaches, obviously it's now on everyone's minds, top of their list. So for us, number one is our deep capabilities in protecting our networks, protecting our customers and protecting their data. That's absolutely essential. This is a 24 by seven battle. Um, these bad actors are sophisticated, they're well resourced. And so you can never rest on this. We've got to be pushing and delivering the best possible level of cybersecurity we can. We're also very focused then on customer data. So as you said, you know, they, these were big cyber breaches, but then people are naturally concerned about their data getting exposed. So we've been focused on really making sure, obviously we've got to comply with a lot of laws around data retention, yep. but then reviewing and saying, if we are holding data beyond a certain limit, do we, do we bring it back? And so we actually announced at the end of last year that for example, when we scan ID information, when a new customer joins, uh, we now only keep that six months when before it was two years. So we're really pushing and challenging to make sure if we don't need to hold data, we get rid of it. If we do need to hold it, keeping it as safe as possible. Do you support the idea of the, I say MyGov ID because it's a centralised ID system? I feel like that's the simplest thing that we need to, as a country, get behind. A digital ID system that simply authenticates users, customers, as real human beings with identities. And it feels like the simplest way to avoid a large part of the concerns that people have. Yeah, look, we're, we're absolutely supporters of the trusted digital identity. We think that that is a game changer. Yep. Uh, we don't need lots of organisations holding all of this information. To be able to have that in place would be, I think, a great outcome. How's the last couple of months been for Telstra? Obviously, big launch from Samsung. We're going to have more um, phones hitting the market after this. It's a three-way battle with a whole bunch of under, 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 I guess, other companies underneath you. But in the three-way battle, has it been a successful start to the year and, and a start for the, to your tenure? Yeah, look, we're excited. I mean, we just delivered our half-year results. We're seeing growth and momentum. We're also very conscious that customers are increasingly feeling the pressures of cost of living. So I think our decisions to give absolute choice, so no locking contracts, that ability to have our multi-brand strategy in place, I'm feeling good. Um, and we're absolutely there and making sure we're delivering the best possible network and experiences because customers really rely on what we deliver. What do you think it is that makes people choose Telstra? In a world of so much choice and in a world of cost of living pressures, where Telstra is quite frankly one of the most expensive options you can choose, what is it that makes people choose Telstra? Oh, absolutely. It is our network leadership. It is the experience and technology you get. We are the leader in the market by some margin. And people, I think that trade-off of wanting high quality and knowing that if I want high quality, yeah, it might come a little bit more expensive, but it's worth it because 
it's so important. And on an individual basis for customers with cost of living pressures right now, interest rates rising and all that kind of stuff, what's, what kind of things can customers come to Telstra for when they're having those hardship issues? Because obviously right now is probably still the very start of it. We're probably going to see a rough six months ahead. How does Telstra support their customers in those times? Yeah, so firstly, we have the no locking contract so people can move at any time down to a plan that you know they can afford, so that's critical. We do have a choice of brands like Belong. And then the other thing I'd say, when people are in really significant financial hardship, we have uh, support in place to be able to help support them through that because we know connectivity is so critical. Just finally, on a more upbeat note, yeah. What's the most exciting thing in uh, just in the near future for you in 2023 for, for Vicky Brady at Telstra? Oh, look, I'm just excited to get to lead the Telstra team. It's such an amazing group of people. And we've got a lot of things ahead of us to be really excited about in the future. Our ability to really enable solutions for customers and help them solve their problems and open up new opportunities. We spoke a little bit about agriculture. Yeah. That's just one sector. I think there's so many sectors in the country that we can play a part in and, and being there for everyone every day as they, they look to connect and make the most of digital technology. Do you try and carve out time in your, in your, in your schedule to guess, connect with customers to really get that sense of what's happening at the front line for, for real people? I absolutely do and my regional trips are a great opportunity to do that so I connect with customers, with key stakeholders but more generally getting out and about into our stores, into our contact centres and getting the chance to meet customers. I obviously also meet with quite a lot of other business leaders and understanding what's important for them in Australia is key as well. Good luck with the future, you've got a long road ahead and uh, it's a Big job, and you seem like you're well up to it. Thanks, thanks, Trevor. She is genuinely awesome. Um, you meet a lot of people in this job, and some of them feel like imposters. Some of them don't have a personality. Some of them don't feel willing to talk about stuff. And here's the thing: I've just that entire twenty-something minutes uh, from top to bottom is not edited. Um, the only editing I had to do was we were both wearing microphones recorded separately, so I had to kind of. Uh, edit so you heard my question from my microphone and hers from hers. That's, that's the only difference. It was top to bottom uh, as it happened. And just, I mean, just re-listen to how Vicky Brady just has an answer for everything. She's ready. She's across it. She has so much knowledge and I have great respect for that. And um, um, she's a great, clearly a great leader and she's surrounded by great people at Telstra. But um, I think the people at Telstra are better for her leadership. And I think um, Andy Penn, has left the business in a in a good place and she'll obviously take it now to the next level. So huge respect for Vicky Brady and uh, really appreciate her setting aside a bit of time for me here at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. And hopefully there was some interesting stuff for you to come out of that. Probably the most interesting, which will take some time to digest if I, as I reflect on it, is the whole um, network priority stuff, you know. The Optus um, Boost, Mobile Boost thing um, is a fascinating concept. But it's riddled with concern and I think there's some issues there we need to unpack. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out over the years ahead because really 5G is built for that. But the Optus stuff is not 5G, so work that out. Anyway, thank you for listening, thank you for downloading and I'll be back with a full episode again when, uh, when we're back in Sydney and we have a bunch of calls lined up. So if you've got a question about technology, jump on, uh, on the website eftm.com and just click Ask Trev. See you soon.